Good morning. We are talking today about the December 20th, 1991 murder of Lori Show. In the spirit of creating a podcast, however, that tells an entire story from all perspectives, we are joined today with Lisa Michelle Lambert, who is convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So this is going to be an episode like we've never done before. Um, there will be a lot of cuts in it. Lisa's joined from with us from prison on, on the phone. And so there will be, she's only allowed 20-minute increments of phone calls before she has to hang up and come back. So there's going to be some breaks. It's going to be a little raw, but... I think that this is important to do. I agree. And so here we go. I am Tracy. I'm Samantha. Lisa, are you with us? <laughs> Lisa is with us, as is G. And this is The Suspended Sentence. So Lisa, thank you for joining us today. I cannot imagine that this is a pleasant topic to revisit, but thank you so much for being with us. So I want to start the episode by laying a solid foundation of understanding and like relationships and the overall vibe at the time prior to Lori's death. Is that okay with you? What? How did you? Sorry, I you. No, that's okay. That's all right. I want to start off just by laying a foundation of of like what what the vibe was and what relationships between you and and Tabitha and Lawrence and Lori were prior to the murder. Is that okay? Yes. Yeah. Okay, perfect. How did you meet Tabitha? Um, I met her literally uh, a couple of months before the actual murder. Um, Lawrence's friend, uh, Keith Painter, was dating her, and that's how I met her. They had, her and Keith had some kind of falling out, and he said something very disrespectful, and she ripped his glass ring off of her neck and threw it at him, and I felt bad for her, so uh, we gave her a ride home because Keith tore off in his pickup truck, and she was standing there crying, and she had just been humiliated in front of all of these guys, and... Uh, I felt bad, so I asked uh, Lawrence if we could give her a ride home. Okay. And so then you just became came, became friends after that. Um. Yeah. After that, um, in the car ride on the way um, back to um, Tabby's house, uh, Lawrence seemed like kind of sympathetic to what happened to her. And he said that uh, she kept sitting in the back seat saying that she felt really stupid. And uh, Lawrence said, um, don't feel stupid. Keith is an asshole. So I kind of was shocked that he was kind of sympathetic to her plight. And then he seemed to really like her. So I figured I kind of latched onto her as a friend because he approved of her. So I was happy because I thought I can have a friend and it was odd because he usually did not like me around people he didn't like my friends like especially if they you know told me that he was mistreating me by hitting me and beating on me but for some reason he approved of Tabby so that's how we became friends that makes sense I do want to go back a little bit here so I read that before you before you were dating Lawrence and everything, like I kind of want to talk a little bit about like your upbringing and kind of what there was a change after you started dating Lawrence, correct? And like how you dressed, how you acted, things like that. Yes. Um, I was um, born at Fort Dix in New Jersey and my father was in the Air Force. Um, my parents are very religious. I grew up very um, strict. Uh, we went to church every Sunday. We went to church several times a week. Um, there was no, there was no smoking, no drinking, no drugs, nothing like that. Um, 
we moved to Amish country when I was a child, and my father bought our land from an Amish man, and uh, he was very clear about the fact that besides us having electricity and a television and a car, um, we were to be very respectful of the Amish rules and the Amish way of life. Um, we strictly went by the Bible, and so did the Amish, so we had a lot um, in common with them, like as far as my parents and their ideals, and they got along very well, and uh, my father used to do all of their tax returns, like Amish men used to come from miles around, and they used to trust my father to do the tax returns. Um, my dad, when I was growing up, he got his um, bachelor's and his master's degree, so he was a college-educated professional. Then my mother started going to um, college, so she got her degree. Um, I grew up at 2395 Stumptown Road in uh, Burdenham, Pennsylvania. Um, that was smack in the middle of the Amish community. We're surrounded by silos and cornfields and Amish all around us. Um, I grew up in a 13-room house, a very beautiful 13-room house. We had several acres of land, um, but it was a very strict upbringing. Like, I wasn't allowed to go to parties, dances, anything like that. Like, I was not allowed to... They had very, my parents had very strict notions about what a proper upbringing for a young lady was, and they were very, very strict as far as that goes. Did you have a big family? Um, my mother actually had six pregnancies. Um, I was born, and then my brother was born a year uh, two years after I was, then when I was seven, my mother was pregnant with my brother, Justin, and um, there was a, a nuclear accident at Three Mile Island um, where the nuclear reactor melted down, and we didn't realize it at the time, but there were massive amounts of radiation that were released into the air, and the government basically covered it up at the time and said that there was no harm to the public, but... My brother, Justin, my mother was pregnant with him when this nuclear reactor melted down. And when my brother, Justin, was born, his skin was very badly burned. And my mother started to realize that the radiation probably went into the amniotic fluid. Oh my so God. he did not survive. And it was very, very hard on my mother, like extremely hard on her. Um, she was devastated. We had a funeral for him, and we buried him. Um, then my mother, she gave birth to my brother, Jeremy. Um, he was eight years younger than I was. Um, then she had, she got pregnant with my brother, Jordan, and she had a placenta previa with him. So he died as well. So we had to have another funeral for him. Oh, my gosh. Um, that was very, very hard on my mother. She was never the same after that. Um, she never really fully recovered from it. Um, then she had my brother, Chrissy. Um, he's 13 years younger than I am, so all together. Um, I have five siblings, but I have three that are living. Oh, my gosh. I would not survive the death of a child. I that I have five kids myself, so I'm – that's – that's awful. It's awful. How did you, how did you meet Lawrence? How did I what? How did you meet Lawrence with, with the upbringing that you had and how protected you were? How did you, how did you meet him? Um, we had these friends, um, their names were the birds. It was B-Y-R-D. They live uh, they were very religious as well, and they we met in that church. We knew them from church. Um, my brother went over to their house to play with their son, and they lived in an apartment complex called Pioneer Woods. And um, I went over there to, and my father drove me over there after work, and he said, could you please go get your little brother? So I went to Bert's house, and they said that he was in the pool with their son. 
So I walked over to the pool area, and that's how I met Lawrence, who was the lifeguard there. Oh, okay. Okay. Did you guys hit it off right away and just, I mean, instantly start dating or did it evolve over time or how did that, how did that happen? How did that play out? He immediately, it was strange. When I walked into the pool enclosure inside the fence, he immediately started staring at me. He didn't stop staring at me. Um, I went over to, like, I realized that something was happening. Um, I went over to get my brother, Jeremy, and um, I hugged him out of the pool and I was drying him off. And then uh, he asked me what my name was, and I said it was Lisa. And then he asked me um, what my middle name was, and I said Michelle. And then um, he came over to a machine I was at, and um, I was getting a soda out from my brother, and um, he, like, touched my hair. My hair was dark. He touched my hair and said that I would look pretty if my hair was blonde. And it was just kind of odd. It was it was strange. Um, and he called my house the next night, um, and he asked for me. And um, I told my parents, and he called the house at almost midnight. It was like 11 p.m., and my father was horrified. He said, what kind of man called at 11 o'clock at night to ask a young lady to step out? He said that was very <laughs> Yeah, so, very. Yeah. Um, he actually came over, and um, then my parents talked to him, and they realized he was the nephew of somebody at our church. Um, there was a an elder at our church. His name was, um, they called him Bumpy Youngkin, but he was somebody that my parents knew very well. So as soon as they found out that he was the nephew of this man, they said, well, you know, this is somebody that's acceptable for you to, you know, see. So just that in and of itself, that he had that, that family connection, that's what basically, uh, you know, allowed him to come into the inner fold as far as my parents were concerned. Yeah. Okay. And then how long did you guys date before you moved in together? Um... We, I'm trying to think, we were dating for um, several months, but he uh, was literally taking me to his parents' house for long periods of time, and he wouldn't bring me back home. Like, sometimes I would be there for a week. Sometimes they took me to a cabin in the mountains, um, and we would be gone for weeks. Um, you have one minute left. Oh, I'm going to ask you back. I'm trying to think when we actually got, I think we got an actual apartment by ourselves in, I think it was November of 1990, because before that we were living with his parents. Okay. Did your parents, how did they feel about that? His parents were not anything like his uncle. They were not, and my parents didn't know that because they hadn't met them. They were not religious at all. And, um, my, but my parents didn't know that. Like, they thought it was an acceptable environment. They didn't know that they figured that because they were related that they had the same proper standards as far as religion is concerned and everything, and they weren't like that at all. Like, they had alcohol. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. Uh, Massachusetts Department of Corrections. This call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. If you believe this should be a private call, please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept charges and consent to this recorded call, press 1. Thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. Hello. Hi, honey. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> did your did your parents I don't want to say freak out, but Hello? can you hear me? Yes, yeah, I can hear you. 
Okay. Okay. Did your parents, were they supportive or no, not at all about you moving in with, with Lawrence? Um, they, they did not know what was going on. They didn't know that he was hitting me. Um, the other thing he had done, he had put a very expensive engagement ring on my finger. So my parents, you know, they were like, well, he's going to marry her. So he's, you know, obviously going to do the right thing. She's engaged. This is her, either her in-laws to be. Um, they had no idea that his parents were the way they were. Like they drank, they smoked, they, uh, they did a lot of things that, uh, Lawrence's uncle didn't do. Like they were not a religious family at all. And I guess because of the engagement ring and everything, my parents just looked at it. Well, these are going to be our in-laws. These, these people are going to be our family members. So they had no idea that we were sleeping in the same bedroom. They didn't know. They didn't know any of that. They just figured that they had never been to his house. So they just figured that there were proper notions being I guess adhered to, they thought that I was in the same kind of environment that I was in in our house, and that's not how it was. Okay. And we've talked about, in we you know, we did episode one the other day, um, just kind of going an overview, and you've talked about, um, as well, the abuse from Lawrence. Did that start pretty, pretty soon into the relationship? Oh, the abuse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, that started um, on our fourth date. He actually um, hit me and attacked me in the back of the van, and he actually raped me. That was on our fourth date, and I was so shocked. I was shell-shocked. I didn't know what to do. I was afraid to tell anybody. I, I just didn't know what to do. I was so shocked and I didn't tell my mother. I didn't tell anybody. It was just, it was very unexpected. It was very sudden. It was like a flash of rage. It was, um, but that's when it started. And after the first time he hit me, all of the changes that he wanted me to make, um, he was calling me by my middle name. Nobody ever called me that before or since. Um, he was the only one that did that. He wanted me to bleach my hair blonde. Uh, he wanted me to get blue contact lenses. He was constantly on me about my weight. He wanted, and I think I weighed like 125 pounds. Um, he was constantly on me about my weight. Um, he like insulted me and degraded me all the time. He made me feel like I was ugly. Um, I used to put so much uh, foundation and cover up on my face, on my skin, because I always had bruises. And he had this weird kind of like, he wanted me to look like a Barbie doll, like he always said that. So my clothing, like I had a whole nother set of clothing that I kept at his house, which was very skimpy and very revealing. That's what he liked me to wear. Um, I didn't have any of that stuff at my parents' house. Um, and it just, like, any kind of change he wanted me to make to my parents, I did it right away because I figured if it made him happy, then he wouldn't hit me. So I kind of felt like I just, every day, I would try to just look perfect. And I felt this constant pressure to look perfect. Like, I was checking the mirror every five minutes just because I was afraid, like, if something got smudged or something wasn't right, it just was a constant, like, panicky thing that I started doing was constantly checking the mirror. Oh, that's brutal. I'm sorry that you went through that. How, how, you dropped out of high school, correct? Uh, yeah, he told me, um, and this was... A couple months. Um, we met July 26th. He told me I was not going back to school in September, so that 
was the end of that. I just never went back. Okay. Did you, did you work and did he work? I did work. Um, the only place he would let me work was at the castle gift shop at Dutch Wonderland. They had a very strict policy that only females could work in the castle gift shop. And because there were only females there, that's where he let me work. Um, I worked there for several years. Um, then I'm trying to think, I trying to think how long I worked there. I don't know. I, I think it was like two and a half years. I worked there or two years. Okay. Did he, did he have a job? Uh, yes, he was a lifeguard. He got paid for that. And then, um, after I was no longer working at the castle gift shop, we worked at, um, we worked at um, Good and Plenty Restaurant, and we worked there together, and we worked 12-hour days. We worked from 10 in the morning until 10 at night, Holy and God. it was very um, hard. It was a family-style restaurant. We had heavy, heavy, heavy carts of china. Like, when we set a table, it would be, the tables were very long. The tables would be for between, like, I don't know, 40 to 60 people. So we had to clean up all of that China after people got done leaving. So they were 12 hour days of that and we worked together. Um, we literally spent like every single day together. Like we were together at home, we were together there. Was there anything in particular that would set him off or was he just super unpredictable and anything would, would set him off to be in, in, you know, to hit you or to be, not that it matters, not that there's ever a reason to hit a woman, but was there anything that you identified after time that was like, oh, I can't do that. Cause that's going to set him off. Um, yeah. Any kind of like interaction between, um, me and somebody that he didn't know or, another guy he would um even if i wasn't doing it even if i wasn't talking to somebody if somebody hit on me or said something about me or gave me a compliment he would flip out um he was very jealous which was crazy because he was not uh, loyal or faithful to me ever i mean from the very beginning he was constantly uh you know sleeping around with other girls and I constantly found out about it but yet he was very possessive and controlling and abusive with me um if if my makeup got messed up or smeared that would set him off if my hair wasn't perfect that would set him off um if he he didn't like me to have money like he controlled all the money if he caught me with money that he didn't know about he would take it and he would hit me. There were a lot of things that he just, there were certain things that after a while, like I learned very quickly to always, um, you know, make sure that everything looked perfect so that he wouldn't go off about that. How was, so I know you said that Lawrence approved of Tabby being, your friend he that he seemed seemed to like her what was their relationship like um it was very very strange um i only knew her for two months before the murder and i didn't realize that they were very they seemed very close but i didn't realize right before the murder. He moved, I think like, I don't know, maybe six weeks before, he moved his weight to her house, his whole weight bench. And he said he was going to go there to work out after work. And I didn't really think anything of it, but now looking back, like once I was at my federal trial and I was talking to my lawyers about it in preparation for my federal trial, they both looked at me and they said, 
you really think he moved that bench there to work out? And I said, why else would he do it? They said, they were sleeping together. They were like, you don't get that. Like, you don't understand that. And now looking back, he would get out of work at like four or five o'clock and he wouldn't come home until like eight or nine o'clock at night. And like thinking about it, that was three or four hours that they were at her house by themselves like every night. And I just didn't, I just thought it was, he was working out. And the other reason, like I didn't say anything because I wanted the weight bench out of the house because when he would get mad, he would pick up weights, he would throw them across the room, he would throw them at me. So I was relieved when he said he was picking the weights out of the house because I figured it was one last thing that... So I realized, like, when preparation for my federal trial, I realized that they had spent enormous amounts of time together alone in the weeks leading up to the murder. And I just, I never questioned it. I never, it didn't register. I never thought about it. But now I realize that something, something was off, very off. Well, and I was wondering that because um, Gigi has sent me tons and tons of stuff over the last few weeks and going through it, I was like, were they sleeping together? Because this sounds, this sounds a little weird. And I actually profiled that yesterday when I, when I was profiling him without knowing him, I was like, I would guarantee that he had multiple other women involved, involved in this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now how, how did you, and, and if we get to a point where you don't want to talk about something or, or it's too much, all you have to say is no, and we will stop and we'll go a different direction. Okay. Because I want to talk about, I want to talk about December 19th. Well, I want to talk about first, how did you, how did you even meet Lori? How do you, how did you, because she was significantly younger than you, right? So how did you even come to know that she existed? Um, actually, when I worked at the Castle gift shop, she worked out in the amusement park. Um, I actually worked for her aunt, Diane. Um, her aunt was my boss. Oh, okay. Um, at the gift shop. And I knew her because she used to come in and out of there all the time. And she would stop to talk to her aunt. So, um, there were a lot of times, too, when I would go relieve her um if they were short amusement workers like amusement park ride workers i would go relieve her so that she could take a break and um the other thing too she was friends with my brother she went to school with my brother so i knew i knew of her okay okay and how did lawrence meet Lori? um that I, from what I understand, um, he was at someone's house one night and somehow, I don't, I don't even, I think it was, i trying to think what her name was, Laura, oh, Laura Thomas, Laura Thomas. He was at uh, her house one night and I think that Lori was there and I think they ran into each other and that's how they met. Okay. And then, from my understanding, you guys broke up for a short amount of time in which, did he date Lori? What what was the situation with that? Um, the, I kept hearing um, all kinds of things, and um, I heard that, like, he had given her a ride home. I heard things like that, but... The rumors that I heard, they very quickly changed and got very sinister. Um, I kept hearing that he, during one time that he gave her a ride home, that he had, like, attacked her in the back of the van. And it, it made the hair, um, like, just, oh, just unnerved me because I know that that had happened to me. Mm-hmm. So... But the way people were talking about it, it was like gossip. And I didn't know if 
I believed it or not. I was very unsure, but people kept saying it. And then I found out later that it had been reported to the police, like the rape was in three different police reports. I guess uh, Lori's father had said something about it, Lori's mother had reported it, and Lori had reported it as well. So it's reported in three different police reports that it actually occurred. Um, the other thing was too, uh, I guess, kind of think maybe I don't know, a month or two after he had given her those rides home and I started hearing that rumor, we were at um, East Town Mall and Lawrence ran into her father. Her father, I think, came to pick her up from work or something and they almost fist fought. Wait, he was yelling at Lawrence, um, you raped my daughter. And uh, it got very, very ugly. Like, I was trying to pull him back, or he was trying to pull her dad back, um, but he yelled it. And then I asked him in the car, after we were in the car, um, it was actually, it was the night of August 8th, because I asked him if he had raped Lori, and he punched me in the mouth, and then he pulled into the driveway, and I tried to get out of the car, and I tried to run up the stairs and get away from him. And he came up the stairs after me, and he uh, beat me up in the house. And um, then the neighbor wound up calling the police. That's how that whole thing escalated that night was that John showed Lori's father and Lawrence almost fought in the mall because he yelled at Lawrence that he had. And that's when I finally asked him, I was like, did you rape Lori? And he punched me in the mouth in the car, and then it just escalated from there. So were you guys broke up, or were you two still together when when all of this happened? Um, We were back together at that point because he had made, he had threatened um, Mike that I was hanging out with. He had threatened my friend Mike, Paul Kowski, so I stopped hanging out with him. Um, but he had said that he basically told me that we were getting back together and he said, he threatened Mike, he said that he would kill us if he caught me with him again. So we were back together at that point, but we were broken up when he was giving, uh, Lori rides home and when he attacked her, we were broken up. And were you, were you pregnant yet? Um, the night of August 8th, yes, I was. Okay. Is that why you went back to him or why you allowed that to happen? Not that, not that you had a choice. I don't mean to use the word allowed. I just mean, is that, I mean, one of the reasons that, that you went back and that you stayed? I, I, I felt like, and that I know this sounds crazy, but I remember at the time feeling like, I don't know, psychologically, like I, felt like Lawrence would protect me from somebody else, like he wouldn't let somebody else do something to me. He was very odd like that. Like, he looked at me like a possession. Like, he could do whatever he wanted to me, but he wouldn't let somebody else do something to me. It was very, um, I don't know, it was very odd the way he looked at things. Like, I basically... You have one minute left. He felt that I belonged to him, but he wouldn't let anybody else do anything to me. So I kind of felt like I would be safe from other people if I was with, if I was back there. Yeah. Okay. So now I want to talk about June 17th. Do you, I mean, of course you remember, but can you, can you talk about that day? Uh, he had been to our house numerous times to pick up his son. 
um, I knew him. Um, I just thought of him as the father of one of my brother's friends. Um, he had many times um, given me live things. If he would um, see me out in the dark, he would uh, give me a ride and take me home. Or anytime he saw me out anywhere, he would try to get me to get in the car so he could take me home. Um, he also asked me out um, and I told him that he was too old for me and uh, he basically like implied that he could protect me from Lawrence. Like he knew that a, a lot of people knew that I was being beaten and hit. Um, he implied that he could protect me and I kept kind of, you know, brushing him off, brushing him off. Um, then I was down at the Pines one night with Alan, um, that was my brother's best friend, and, um, he came out of nowhere, like, all these, um, police cars came into the Pines, um, we were in the river, and we were swimming, and we didn't have bathing suits, so we were, you know, unclothed, um, but it was very, very dark, I think it was probably, like, around midnight or maybe later, um, they all came into the pines and they got out of the car. Um, I pushed Alan into the river and I screamed at him to run. I was like, get out of here, get out of here. Um, then I had a sheet that was laying on the grass that I like wrapped around myself. And um, Robin Weaver got out of the car and he had other police officers with him. Um, he actually kept telling me to drop the sheet. He was asking me who I was with. Um, he sent the other two officers like crashing into the brush to see who I was with. He sent them um, looking for, you know, my companion, whoever he thought was there. And he told me several times to drop the sheet. And I told him I wasn't going to do it. And finally he... Um, told his, the officers that were with him to get my clothing and I got dressed under the sheet and I walked away from him like he tried, he kept trying to get me to get the car and I walked away from him under the trees. Um, then I went back to Alan's house and I told him through the bedroom window that I was okay and um, he asked me what that guy's problem was and I said, well, you know, his son was my brother um, then I was walking home and uh, down the road, and um, Robin Weaver, he pulled up in the car again, and he told me um, to get the car. He told me my clothes were too skimpy. Um, he was hitting on me, like, you know, saying things to me. Um, he told me I should leave Lawrence and that I should go out with him. And I told him he was married and he had a son. Um, so finally he let me out of the car and he, um, I walked, he let me out of the car at an intersection and I walked, um, back to the house. And, um, after that, that was the last, um, time before June 17th. Um, Lawrence had punched, uh, one time when he was mad, I don't remember which time, but he had punched the panes out of the window and the door, the door was divided into panes and he had punched one of the panes out. And um, I saw an arm come through the window. I was um, sleeping in the living room and I was lying in my bathing suit and I heard um, cars come up. So I got up to go to the door um, I saw an arm come in the window, and I figured it was Lawrence, so I just turned around. And um, I like half turned, and I just figured he was coming in, and I was going to go back into the living room. But then um, he actually, um, like, Robin Weaver came out of stairs, and he had two other um, men with him. And... I was really confused. I've been like swimming all day. Um, I've been in the sun all day. I was very confused. I was like, what are you doing here? What do you want? And um, 
I kept asking him, like, why are you here? What do you want? What do you want? Um, he literally backed me into the living room, and um, I wound up on the floor in the living room. Um, they had a knife across my throat. They had a gun up to my head. Um, they literally, um, he first, like, pulled my um, bathing suit arm down, and he raped me. And then um, he said that they, the other, the other men that were there, that they had to do it too. And they tapped the gun against my head. Um, and then at the end, I really thought that something, like I thought they were going to kill me, but they said to him, they said to Rob, and they said, um, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about her? You know, should we do something with her? And he said, no, you can just leave her there. He was like, after all, who would believe her? Oh, my and God. And they left. Oh, <sighs> my God. And they're all, they were all police officers, right? What? Were they all police officers? Yes. Um, one actually had a badge on his yeah so who are you going to call you're going to call the police i mean who are you going to call who are you going to report that to right and the the thing was and this was the crazy thing was um after that i started getting phone calls um i kept seeing cars police cars sitting outside my house um, literally, they would stop down by the mailbox and just sit there. I kept getting, uh, like, phone calls with gravelly voices telling me that I better keep my mouth shut. Um, then this was the other thing. Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was in September or October. Um, the police went to my mother's house, and they knocked on the door, and they were looking for me. And they told my mother, they asked my mother where I was, and she said she didn't want to give them any information. And um, they said they were asking my mother if I was pregnant, and she thought it was very odd. And um, they said, oh, she's pregnant. Her hips are really sweating. And my mother said, excuse me? And they said, yeah, her hips are really sweating. Like, she never forgot that. She said that to my father. Like, why are they asking me questions about my daughter's pregnancy? And then they are saying things about her hips, right? And they want her address. She was like very, very, um, this was, this was in, I think November. This was after we had just moved to Petway because I didn't, um, nobody knew we were leaving the house. Um, the 1667 Old Philadelphia Pike, nobody knew we were leaving there. And they were looking for me right after that. So it was right after Halloween. It was in uh, November of 1991 is when they were looking for me because they had gone to that house and it was completely empty. Everything was wiped out of that house. Why do you think they were looking for you? I mean, what do you think they like to make sure that you're keeping your mouth shut or to... Why, what do you think they were, why do you think they were doing that? Um, I think that they were, they were very apprehensive and fearful because they had heard that I was pregnant and they, everybody knew that I was very, um, anti-abortion. When I was growing up, I went to anti-abortion rallies with my parents. Everybody knew that our family was very anti-abortion, and everybody knew that I would never have an abortion. And I think that, I don't know, we were known, we were known for that, like that we were very anti-abortion, and my parents were Republican and conservative, and I think that they were afraid because they knew I was pregnant. I think that that's what the issue became. And they thought it might be theirs. Right. Yeah. And then they wouldn't be able to say that they didn't do it if they've had a, a baby with it's their DNA, right? Right. Yeah. 
Okay, so. When I went to my federal trial, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but my lawyers, um, Tina Rainville and Peter Greenberg, they got into um, Robin Weaver's private file. And do you know that he had multiple counts of police brutality against him? Um, he attacked a woman named Denise Carbone while he was in uniform. He grabbed her by her hair. Um, punched her in the face, and then he dragged her down to herself by her hair. Um, he was supposed to get counseling for it because that was not the first time he attacked a woman in uniform. They never got him counseling. He was ordered to do it. Then he attacked a mentally handicapped man named Larry Green. Um, he had wandered off, and his parents asked the police to go find him. He was so brutally beaten that his parents filed complaints against Robert Weaver and the other officer that was with him. Like, he had multiple counts of police brutality in his file. And that came out when I went to federal court. But nothing was ever done about that? No, um, they never got him counseling. They never did anything. They knew he was out of control. They knew he was violent. They knew they had a rogue cop on the force. They knew that he was dangerous and they were still sending him back out to deal with civilians and they did nothing to stop it. Oh my God. So I know from some of the, I've read in some different places. So just to get the timeline of everything correct here. So Lawrence dates, rapes, assaults Lori while you guys are broken up. You're assaulted by the police around the same time. You find out about everything. Then there's there's some reports, and I don't know if this is true. That's why I'm asking. Was there any ever conflict with you and Lori before? Be- there what? Any conflict or conversations with you and Lori be- before December 20th? Oh, yes. Um, there were, you mean like, um, like confrontations? Confrontations, conversations, anything like that leading up to this? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. I had in the summer of 91, I had repeatedly, um, gotten phone calls from her, um, looking for Lawrence, and I didn't know why she kept asking me if, um, if he was there. Um, and I was working third shift at that point at um, Denny's restaurant, and I was exhausted. And um, she kept calling during the day, and I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know why she was calling. So um, I asked her to stop calling, and then... Eventually, I went to her house, and um, I told her that I was um, pregnant, and I said, I'm working third shift, I'm really exhausted, and I said, um, I said, don't tell Lawrence that I'm pregnant if you talk to him, and she said that she wouldn't tell him, and she never she never told him. Um, she didn't know at that point, but um, she said she would stop calling the house. And then, um, then after that, I had the, there was the incident, um, with her father, when Lawrence and her father almost got into an argument, then, um, I saw her mother, um, at East Town one time when we were there, um, her mother, I mean, her mother was, like, understandably very upset, but her mother was yelling at me. She said, um, why don't you keep your man at home instead of having him out raping other people's daughters? Um, so then I, it was just, I was started arguing with her. Um, this is always how these things happen, though. It has something to do with Lawrence. It was always something to do with Lawrence that these, these issues started over. Um, I saw her another time at, um, 
trying to think where else I saw her. My grandfather was the custodian at East Town Mall, so I used to go there to see my grandfather all the time, and I used to go shopping there. And, like, the other thing that, like, people don't know, um, I never went to school with Lori. I know they said that I did, but I didn't. Um, it was Kathy that went to school with her. I was three or four years ahead of Lori, so we would not have ever gone to school together. Um, I did go to her school, but that was before um, years. It was several years before. Uh, I think we were three or four grades apart. But... Um, there were several times that we had like run into each other and we had argued. And then there was in November, um, like this was a very small community, right? People, you would see, you would run into the same people, I don't know, five or 10 times a day. Like if, especially if you went to the East Town Mall, that was the only mall around there to go to. So I was there, I don't know, maybe three or four days a week. I was constantly there. Um, there was another time, um, in November when I was out, um, it's in front of the Burlington Coat Factory. I was with, um, I was with Lauren and I had gone in and bought baby clothes and we were driving around the parking lot and we had gone by, um, his friend Randy and my friend Denise and, um, I saw Denise and I, like, stopped to say hi to her, but I thought it was odd that, I don't know, I just thought it was very strange. And uh, Lawrence, like, looped around again. And then um, I got out of the car, and I didn't know that um, Lori knew Randy Rodriguez is Lawrence's friend. I didn't know um, I was friends with Randy's girlfriend, Denise, but I didn't know that um, Randy knew Lori. And I got out of the car, and Lori was there. But I didn't, you have one minute left. I didn't think it was her. Like, she had her back turned to me, and she was standing with Randy. And she was the same height and the same build as Denise, and they had the same hair length and color. And I, like, reached up and touched her hair, and I pulled, like, I you know, like, talked it a little bit, and I was like, hey, Denise, and she turned around, and it was Lori, and I was shocked, so shocked. Um, I literally thought that, like, it was Denise, and it wasn't her, and um, Lori got upset. She was like, why did you pull my hair? I said, I thought you were Denise. I, you know, you're standing with Denise's boyfriend. Like, I didn't know that it was you, and then um, we just got into like she literally like her foot came up and came close to my stomach so I pushed her back um it was raining and she slipped on the parking lot and she um fell against Randy's truck thank you for using Securus goodbye and the phone cuts off um that's just the way that it's going to work doing this interview over the phone with with Lisa while she's in prison and we apologize for that that's just the way it, that's just the way this one's going to work. Um, <clears throat> so this concludes part one of our interview with Lisa Michelle Lambert. Uh, part two will be posted tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe.